40 billion, terrible market cap on Twitter. But they hit the 100K per employee threshold, don't they? There's that metric, your company should be earning 100K per employee, 100K in revenue. So if it's less than that, you're too bloated. Taylor Welsh of Traffic and Funnels fame says that it should be 400K per employee. I mean, that's that's like having a 200 kilo deadlift and a 180 clean. Something just happened there, didn't it? Did something go wrong? Oh, you've just become really pixelated. I'm making the internal decision as to whether to keep going or not. Class. <laughs> but it's okay. As long as, as long as they can hear you, you know who you are. So your live view of me is, is poor, but the, let me just, I'll just arbitrarily close some things because that, without closing the thing. I mean, I it's fine. This is the experience of podcasts. The, the, the internet is working absolutely fine until you hit record. And then simultaneously, Johnny becomes a potato for all I can see. Someone decides to install three kitchens in the three houses surrounding me. They decide to dig up the roads. Like it's just a big old karmic joke, isn't it? The universe just having a laugh with you. They go, oh yeah, you, you paid for these expensive microphones and you even got a nice little sticker to put on them. But don't worry, we'll make sure there's as much noise as possible. They just spoil it, don't they? Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, 400k per employee. I think 100k per employee is low. Because that's revenue. And then you've got to consider all the, the tax and operational costs and stuff. And, you know, for an online business great because margins are generally higher which mm. is why incidentally we're such a big fan of online coaching as a business model compared to in-person pt or running a, a boutique studio or anything like maybe they're more enjoyable if you like working face to face with people but from a numbers perspective not as good or a cafe oh johnny and i often wretch at the the idea when when you go into a cafe and you look at the amount of moving parts or like a new off license something where the margins are razor thin there's stock of over a hundred different items there's a lot of staff for what it does and at the end of the day it's it's really fickle as a business i think it doesn't do it for me we we used to know someone who ran who set up a business that did like like healthy breakfasts. You remember? I don't want to say who it is or name it because there's a decent chance people listening will have heard of him or it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there's two people in the world that would get this reference, and you're one of them. The same person can feel his energy when he's meditating. Okay, right. <laughs> there it is. It's landed. Um, there it is. So yeah. the thing that I remember him talking about was how, like, when you run something like that, the struggle is selling, trying to sell, like, a plate of food, a breakfast food at a profit is really difficult to do. Because that was dine-in healthy breakfast. And it's weird because everyone has a plate of food multiple times a day. It's so, it's almost guaranteed. <laughs> That someone at some point will be having a plate of food, but selling it, whole different kettle of fish. 
But is that not is is that not why it's so hard to sell? Because it's so abundant for the average person. Like, well, I can get that at home, mate. Welcome to the Grow Your Online Fitness Business <laughs> podcast. Is the is the so, delay is the quality of this really bad? It is bad, but <laughs> I'll let you in, dear listener, on some behind the scenes information that we have switched from doing our podcasts in season one on Zoom to using Riverside. And what Riverside does, very much would recommend it if you have a two-person podcast or a three-person, whatever floats your boat, it records both sides of the, the stream locally and then stitches it together. So even if during the call you're having a horrendous experience talking to a potato, it's okay because the final output will be this delicious... 4k video yeah just with awkward pauses while you wait for the connection to catch up what so i the other behind the scenes thing is i've just moved moved and in doing so have acquired internet that's far worse than what i used to have but what's strange for me is that i can hear and see you very clearly and you're in 4k as far as i'm concerned but yeah i think you're struggling to both hear and see me usually Internet providers cap the upload speed, but uncap the download speed. Right. So that would make sense. So are we just going to continue? I think so. As long as... Man, the delay is so bad. If the experience is all right with you. It's just when I say something, there's like a a five second delay before you hear it. Thank you, Jonathan. Over (laughs) to our correspondent in Iran. It was like (laughs) 10 seconds of... Ten seconds it's of smiling. Absolutely terrible out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, me. we can we can continue if you like. I feel sad and responsible, but and and helpless. <laughs> sad, responsible, and helpless. We just have to persevere. Are you saying that's, that's that we have we to do. just react the, to the circumstances as we find them? I think so. The the people have tuned in <laughs> to hear us. That, by the way, that quote, in fact, that entire series is a podcast series in itself. Like, I think we could do a series of podcasts where you and I just distill the lessons from the BBC series run in 2007 called Million Dollar Traders and the life advice on those podcasts. Yeah, there's there's a lot of wisdom in, well, I was just reacting to the circumstances as I found them. Nothing's basically, you don't know what you did. There's a guy called Anton Creel who was an ex-Goldman's trader who ended up being shot into fame by doing this million dollar traders program where he recruited a number of laymen to run a hedge fund for a few weeks. And he's laying into this guy who shorted on the open when he should have been going long. And he's he's having a go at him. And the guy's just like, Well, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, it was unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. And he's like, well, nothing's unbelievable if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I was just reacting to the circumstances as I found them. And you, you, when you think about that, you're like, nothing is unbelievable when you don't know what you're doing. And all you can do is react to the circumstances as you found them. That We're is all just utterly blameless. <laughs> yeah, it just applies to absolutely everything in life, every situation of those two principles. Speaking of timeless principles... This is the best piece of life advice from billionaire investor. This quote of pick a simple idea 
and take it seriously. So that's Charlie Munger. And the original Professor Jonathan Watson is the living embodiment of this quote. And I just think it's it's worth dedicating an episode to to this idea. The reason that this has come up is I've been doing a bit of a um, consolidation period when I did my annual review for 2022. The synthesis of so many 10 years of journal entries and lessons came down to, in the business domain, to this quote, take a simple idea and take it seriously. And that's because particularly when you're working online, you are sat in a complete blank slate. You're in an open field where there are potentially infinite things to do. And you can keep yourself entertained by doing a little bit of each thing and never really getting anywhere, but feeling like you're really busy doing loads of busy work. And from when we started propane, Johnny has been very much on the straight and narrow picking a single thing. Once you identify something that works, it's like, right, let's pull the lever, double down on this thing and get the compounding results on the other end of the tunnel. I th- yeah, it's not, I suppose it's my, it's my way of like trying to somehow control the chaos, I suppose, because as you say, like the, the problem with all of this stuff is that, um, you just, com- you decide what you do, what you don't do, what you pay attention to, what things you add in, what things you take away. And you could easily spend months, years doing things that don't matter, don't really do anything, don't really like make a change to anything in the business, but they can feel productive. And that's what's so insidious about them. Like growing an Instagram following, like, like most or most social media, in fact, is kind of designed to keep you in this game where you chase engagement and comments and likes and followers and, and all that sort of stuff. But, and you, it's very easy to forget under the surface. The reason I began doing this in the first place was to generate an income. What is my income? And that you realize those two things are very detached. So if you can find a thing that works and you can kind of like lock that in place, you're like, right. I know when I do that, I get leads coming in. And I know when I get leads coming in, I make this many sales. You're like, right shut all of the windows, lock all the doors, put me in this room with just a laptop. I'm just going to do that. That it's just the, really the only chance you have, I think of making something like this work. And, and what that ends up looking like is something that's very simple, like email marketing, for example, very simple writing text based emails to people regularly. That's it. But, but mastering that skill having that as good as it can be being as consistent as that with that as possible is actually really difficult to do. And but, so it actually needs to be taken seriously, but it's, it's easy to overlook or ignore or think you're better than it or think it doesn't work or think like, Oh, email's dead. I'll do TikTok instead. So that, I think that's where it comes from. You pointed at the, the world being designed in such a way to, to try and distract you with all the shiny objects and mm. flashing lights and things. And it's both internally and externally. So internally, you say there's there's the sense of, oh, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe, oh, that guy seems to be doing well on TikTok. Maybe I should be doing that. And so there's the internal stuff that makes us doubt the path that we've chosen. And then the external stuff, the entire world is designed to keep you in this shallow um, treading water mode, mm. literally from the, 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 the ground up, like the, the way that operating systems are designed 
So I'm going to go really fundamental here. You open your browser. Your browser is designed to have multiple tabs <laughs> that you switch between. It's designed to have lots of windows that you can open at once. Your phone is designed that you swipe your thumb across the bottom and you can flip between different apps and there's notifications that pop up and interrupt what you're currently doing. The, the world is so different to a writer 50 years ago who would sit down and just have a desk with a bit of paper and write stuff down and maybe a typewriter, but it's still only one thing that you're doing at that time. So the world is very much designed to try and make you multitask, but that's not going to take you to the goal. And so I think a lesson that I'm, it's taken me a lot longer to learn this than, than Johnny, than Johnny has. And that's why I, I want to celebrate this, uh, this insight because he's been there the whole time being like, Yusuf, have you thought about just picking one thing and doing it rather than being such a little distractible person? So the, the way this manifests with online coaching is we very, very often see people who decide to start giving this online coaching thing a go, but you look at what they're doing in a given week or a given day, and that does not map over into what their goal is. They might have set out to get 30 online clients and match the day job income with online coaching. So they know that's the goal, but then it gets kind of, kind of lost in the way somewhere. And instead they're spending hours on their logo and tweaking their website and playing around, optimizing their coaching app or playing with formulas on Google sheets. And there's all stuff that doesn't move the needle. So if we just keep taking a step back and it, the, there's no solution to this, you, there's no like fix all. You have to keep every week at the end of every day reviewing, like has how I've spent my time, does that map or does that match over to what I want my goals to be? And usually that is a lead flow problem. That's just getting interest, landing on your business and potential clients and converting them into clients. It's usually not a software problem. It's usually not a coaching problem. But that's where the majority of the time gets sunk into because it feels more controllable and and easier to do. So I think that's the main lesson is keep reviewing what's the main thing, what's the number I'm trying to influence, and is what I'm doing now going to take me there? Oh, I've got so much to say on this. I'm trying to order my thoughts. So I'll say this, I'll say this first because it, it's kind of linked to what you were saying. So the one of the things that I always wrestle with, and I know you wrestle with it as well is how much stuff is in my to-do list app like the list of projects the the list of things that i've not yet started the like all of the things that i know that i kind of tell myself a story like that'll really help help when i get to do that like that'll be the thing that really grows the business when i when i finally carve out time to to do that thing since the start of the year so we're recording this on the first of march since the start of the year, as part of our, like the, the sort of annual 75 sort of 75 hard thing that I end up doing, I, I set the goal of just doing two things every single day. So every single day, whether they're, it's a work day or a weekend or whatever, one of them is go through our ads workflow. And the other one is write and schedule. Well, two things. This is really showing you behind the curtain. One is write a new marketing email. And the other one is reschedule or resend a marketing email that has generated sales in the past. So if you're on our email list, you may have noticed that emails have been incredibly consistently sent at 10.30 a.m. UK time 
they're actually already scheduled over a month in advance after me recording this. But anyway, up until about that, that spoiled a, the illusion. I thought you were you were sat ready to <laughs> right ten thirty. Yes. <laughs> up until about a week ago, I was still giving myself this hard time of like, yeah, but I haven't done this project and this thing, and I, I haven't got around to launch this yet, and I want to make that change to this funnel and all these sorts of things. And then you zoom out and you're like, well, hang on a minute. We've actually like almost already hit our revenue goal for Q1 before we've even started March. Like, yes, there's a possibility that the things that I'm yet to do, those like launch, those things, those projects that I think might work are the thing that will ultimately grow the business. But probably the thing that's helped the most of my time contribute to, to growing that is me doubling down, like me taking very seriously the two things each day that I know can really grow the business. These kind of like two very simple processes at the expense of other things. So there's an interesting thought that those things may not have an immediate feedback to them. Mm. So you turn up, you do the, the daily grind and maybe there's no immediate dopamine. There's no immediate reward for, for doing that. And so if you haven't got full conviction that doing that thing is going to result in the business grow, the business growing over a year or over a decade, it's very easy to be like, oh, do you know what? Like, maybe I'll just skip it today. And then the next day, oh, I've got other fires I need to fight. Maybe I just need to skip that as well. And it's so easily done that, for example, the only thing that's really caused us to stick to this weekly podcast schedule and weekly YouTube upload schedule is, is having some external metric of someone saying, the only way to grow this is to post every week. And so then all of the little excuses and rationalizations that I'd normally be like, oh, just skip it. that goes out of the way because I'm like, well, I just have to tick the box. doesn't matter if it's terrible. doesn't matter if there's delay on the audio and whatever, just post something. <laughs> People want to hear it and let things come from there. Over, I think probably, probably about a year ago, I remember saying to Yusuf, like, man, this YouTube thing, like it's a total waste of time. We need to be doing something else. It's not working. We're not bringing us in any sales, any leads. And you were like, nope, I, I've been told it's going to take two years to build a YouTube channel. So I'm going to persist with it. And here we are a year later and we're seeing like real signs of it really work. Like from a business perspective, it really working, like generating sales, which I think as a byproduct, by the way, is like the problem with saying to a PT, just do organic, mate. It's like, yeah, if you want to devote, if you're happy to devote for free two years of your time without generating any income to, to build an organic farm, go for it. Like weekly, daily action and process and work for free for two years. Yeah, sure. But it's a, that's another, that's something you've done is pick a simple idea and take it seriously. Like grow the YouTube channel, like video every week, just do a video every week and keep doing so it. That, yeah, that, that's a good point. And, and that, that was because I, we, we hired a mentor we joined a, we joined a program that had lots of group accountability and we were like, right, they're saying that the calories and progressive overload equivalent of growing a YouTube channel is not about the, the background music and the, the, the way that the thumbnail interacts with this. It, it's just posting a video every week. And as long as you do that, all the other stuff comes secondary. So mm -hmm. it was having that external, like someone else to tell me that I'm a twat if I don't do this. And also because it's such a long-term thing, I'm not saying don't set up a YouTube channel, but we had the luxury of being able to do that because we'd cleared enough space in the business to be able to, 
to basically put me fully in the firing line of organic growth. Um, but it's not something that I think if we were starting out should be top of the priority list. It's what it's like, is it, it's like a pension. So it, like you should really be putting money exactly. in your pension. <laughs> you should be putting money in your pension regularly, but you can't draw on it until you of whatever the pension age will be when we are able to access our pensions. Right. So like you, it's kind of the adult view with all of this, like it's the sensible way of doing it, but it's not going to help you pay your heating bill this month. And I think the way that we don't really talk about this ever, but the way we see propane from a bigger picture is ads are great at making an ROI. They're great at generating leads. They're great at generating sales. They're very, they're very input output process based. So you can control a lot of the variables. The the problem with them though, is that obviously you are, you are beholden, you're spending money on these platforms to bring money back in again. But the, 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 the long-term view of them is you're building this huge email list, you're building this following, you're building this awareness. And you really want to get to the point where the business can run without them. But to get there, I genuinely think it's a, it's a 10 year journey. Like it's a, it's a decade of consistency with building an organic following, building an email list, building up these assets and really investing back into the business all the time to be able to generate this thing that can kind of survive on its own without having a, a source of direct and immediate lead flow, um, that you control and you push. But that's, and that's why, you know, to get to the point where you're, I think where you're allowed to think about something like YouTube, you need the short term things figured out first. Like you need the ads to figured out. You need the email lead generation figured out, the customer generation figured out, then devote a day a week to like, where am I going to be in 10 years time and think about it then. I've got so many questions for you. So do you think that this is naturally the way that you're wired or have you had to kind of beat this into yourself to approach things like this and by that do you mean just like the way i view the business or like the the like the, the simplicity the, the way you it? view um yeah the the inputs and compounding and just staying the course yeah i i guess it might like the only thing i can think of is you you remember this like we back in like 2016 we were following loads of different people, trying loads of different things. And every other week we were kind of like launching a new funnel and testing something out. And on one end of the spectrum of the people we followed is a guy called Ben Settle, who his entire business is, he sends an email every day to a sales page, to a subscription. That's it. So like, and that's his entire business. He does really, really well. He's very well known for it. On the other end of the spectrum is Russell Brunson, who runs ClickFunnels, who seemingly every, literally every like week was launching yeah like launching a new funnel set launching new stuff launching new products new prices and i was always we were kind of trying to copy russell because it's like well he, look how big click funnels is um and it's also it's a subscription right which is what we were trying to build at the time um but the person i was always most envious of was ben settle because it was just like the fewest things to manage it's like he just has to like write a good email every day send the email track the numbers and improve the sales page. And it was a very like, it's this system that he can, he can manage and, and curate over time. And I think because we spent so long trying to copy Russell and because it kind of burned us so many times, I think it's forced me the other way. So I think I now see complexity as like, oh no, that's old us. Like launching things without needing to, that's what, that's where we used to be. And that, that cost us so many years and so much time that 
and also probably like some of the mentors we've had recently. Um, a lot of them have been like very intelligent people outside of the online world put into the online world. And then you listen to them and you're like, fuck, like that person's really thought about this. And that is probably yeah, guided definitely. down thought the, pattern as well. That makes sense. I think some of the mentors we've had recently, the, and the reason we, we don't really shout about them is not because we're trying to hide the secret. It's just, I, I don't think they're kind of appropriate for a lot of people because they, they solved a very specific problem for us yeah. in our operations or our lead flow or whatever. But we describe them as it like drill bits. It's these kind mm -hmm. of people who have just, they've got everything down to a diamond edge and they've, they've put all of their chips into this one highly specific, um, skill and they, they've just become highly specialized. And so they live a very essentialist, quite, quite enviable Zen life. I think as well from the outside, seeing the way that you respond very well to having a program, like someone gives yeah. you a, a system with parameters and a program and say, right, this is the timeline. Here are your inputs, stick the blinkers on, off you go, because it stops it stops you from having to second guess and this maxim of know what reps to do and do the reps mm -hmm. to be able to do the reps. You have to have conviction that the reps you are doing are correct. Mm -hmm. Otherwise the heart, most heartbreaking thing is imagine like starting a training program, running it for six months, really busting your ass with it. And then realizing that you've been doing the exercises completely wrong. Like your form is terrible or something, but no one was telling you that that was the case. So you have to have conviction that what I'm doing here is absolutely what's going to take me to the goal. And the quickest way to do that is to follow a system that is tried and tested, that maybe a mentor or an author or someone has walked that path, shown the results for that. And then you can say, right, I can replicate that if I just put my own inputs into this. The best example I can think of is 531. So if you buy the 531 PDF, there's the program. So there's like, here's how the weeks fit together. Here's the percentages. Here's the rationale. And at the end of the PDF, there's all these like FAQs for certain scenarios. And he's thought of all of it. So it's like, oh yeah, Jim, but I can only train two days a week. No problem. Here's how to adjust the programming. Oh yeah, Jim, but I, well, I don't need a deload. Here's how to modify the programming to do deload every two seconds. Like he's thought of every possible scenario. So it's like this end to end thing that you can buy that PDF. You can do five through one for the rest of your life because it's complete. And I think I always look for the equivalent of that. I always look for like where in, where in business can we find the, like the five, three, one process for front-end marketing, for client delivery, for software stacks, for like, so that we've got the thing, like that's the workflow we follow and we just need to do that. So it's like, this goes wrong. Here's the workflow. This goes wrong. Here's the workflow. Need to scale this. Here's what we do. And I think in some cases we've had to build that on our own like in, in some parts of the business we've looked for it for that and it doesn't exist so we have to design it and that's where like the difficulty comes in because what that's where we second guess stuff but there are there are people you like we've we've learned ads like the three people who come to mind that we've learned ads from one of them is an australian guy he's one of the weirdest people i think we've ever spoken to um but also intensely <laughs> he's a drill bit, for sure yeah like so smart and way ahead of his time Another one um, is a guy who lives in Mexico who used to be a day trader. And the other, another one is um, an en a former engineer who was put it like into the CEO position of a huge uh, online education business. 
you would never think like if you met the three of them, you would never think like, oh, they're, they're really good at running Facebook ads, but all individually for different reasons, for different skill sets, they've all got their own entire philosophy behind it. And so you, you learn this stuff from these people and you're like, okay, I can take like this and this and this, that's how to run ads. Like that's the workflow for it. Just follow that. Just wake up each day, do tick these boxes and do that over and over and over again. You did the same thing. Like it was Ali Abdel's course, right? For YouTube. Who's yeah. He's a, like take it, go into A&E, find a doctor, take them out of the A&E and say, build a YouTube channel. And what you get is Ali Abdel. It, yeah. It's why I think doctors actually make really good coaches. When you see the occasional person who's left medicine and applied it into whatever their, their field online is, and they're fantastic because they're so systematic. They're used to thinking in frameworks and diagnostic processes. And so they produce really clear materials. And Ali Abdal is definitely one of them. I, I would very much recommend his program if, uh, if you're looking to build a YouTube channel because it's just super comprehensive, super systematic, but also keeps the, um, the main thing, the main thing. It keeps that high level approach. So what we've picked up there is we've learned lessons from training or from me medicine or from accounting that are these kind of evergreen principles and gone, ah, okay, maybe this also applies to running an online fitness business as well. So we had an episode a few weeks back about Gary V like all these, he's like, I get all these like fitness guys and, and they know that there's no shortcuts to this, but then they're looking for shortcuts with this. And, and it's, it's so true that he's like with fitness, of course you can spot like, oh, well the detox teas and the, um, cling film fat wraps and all that stuff, you know, it's bullshit. And you, when people fall for it, you go, what an idiot. Can't believe they fell for trying a, the thousandth thing this time, rather than just eating a calorie deficit. But we have blind spots to making that same jump with running an online business. It's an unwillingness to do the reps or not knowing which reps to do. Yeah. And, and trusting that once you've picked the reps, that they're the right ones. I think that really, that's where people doubt the calorie balance thing. Cause you get like, I saw a thumbnail for a Stephen Bartlett podcast episode where the thumbnail said something like, I don't know, like something stupid, like they've lied, calorie deficits a lie or something some bullshit like that. You're like, okay, like, thanks mate. What a helpful message to spread. The people right. who are just on the cusp of learning that lesson. Exactly. <laughs> Someone's decided it's just about tracking my calories. Here I go. These are the reps to do. I'm going to do them for a year. And then they listen to Stephen Bartlett podcast. I like, fuck it. It's food quality. I knew it was food quality. It's the, it's the red meat I'm eating. That's blocking some process in my digestive system. That means I can't lose fat. I mean, <laughs> that, that phenomenon is just giving the wrong message to the wrong audience, isn't it? We were talking about this the other day where if you were to put on a billboard in town, you are probably overtraining. And then yeah. on an, the other side of town, you put up another billboard that said you are probably undertraining. The wrong people would receive that message. So the people who are undertraining would go, oh, maybe I'm overtraining. Maybe I need to step my volume back a little bit. And then the people who are undertraining would... The, the people who are overtraining would think the opposite or oh, maybe i need to do more maybe that's why i'm not maybe that's why i'm exhausted all the time and i'm not making gains yeah and that like really i suppose what this comes down to is that's where we into what we said how we concluded that podcast as well i believe is that like having a coach having somebody else who isn't involved in the emotional whirlwind that is being inside your head 
being able to look at what you're doing and saying, you're probably overtraining is that allows you like all you then have to do is the reps. That's it. So instead of deciding which reps to do and then doing the reps, you're like, which reps do I do, please? Okay. Thank you. I'll go do them. Speak to you in a week, <laughs> speak to you in a month, speak to you in a year. So, and, and that's like the, the back to like pick simple things and take them seriously. It's the same as really know what reps to do and do the reps. It's like both of those are hard for two very, very different reasons. It's like things are very simple ultimately in running an online business at the core of it. But the, the difficulty is in deciding which simple things to do and which simple things to take seriously. Taking them seriously is then obviously daily discipline, being consistent and critically stopping yourself from getting distracted. Like being confident enough in like, these are the reps that when the latest like course for TikTok ads comes along, I'm confident enough that like, no, I don't need that yet. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because I've got this, like I've got the workflow, I've got the system, I know what I need to do. So, but I think the hardest bit of that, probably what's taken us the longest time is the discovery of what to take seriously in the first place. There's a lot of time wasted in trying to find that and finding good mentors and good guides is becoming increasingly hard because it's kind of needle in a haystack and everyone's shouting loudest and stuff. So mm. yeah, you're right. That's, that's for us, that's the hard part. Cause we, we, we know now that we need to just do the reps, but it's finding someone that will give us enough conviction to say, okay, these are the reps that I should be doing. And it's been a, um, an amazing source of inspiration, seeing you embody that year to year and always keeping relentlessly focused on, on the main thing and keeping me on the straight and narrow as well. Well, thank you. It doesn't feel that way, but thank you. I feel like I have more emotional. <laughs> well, nothing's unbelievable when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I feel like I have more like moments of crisis than you. I feel like your confidence of the, of the reps that we're doing is far more like cellular level than me. Like I sometimes doubt the reps. So I suppose then the, the lesson is figure out where you're most wobbly. Is it in doing the reps? Is it in the adherence and having someone to check in with and making sure that you actually turn up and execute every day? Or is it in the knowing what reps to do and developing the conviction in that? Um, and both of them have different solutions, but come out to the same thing. Mm. Yeah. Lovely.